to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe. I'm the pastor here and we're so grateful that you've come to worship with us. We have a special, special day today. You've already seen why it's special. We have families, young families that are participating in the decoration of our space and if you'll grant them latitude that they have young children and they're at the front of the space, if you'll say yes. Yes. Yes, we grant you latitude. Um, you got little T-Rexes that want to run around, but they are participating in our service, and we are grateful for that. If you'll turn in your bulletin to the section that says Radical Hospitality, we like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations, which are our best to live these out. We're getting better every day. You'll see announcements in your bulletin. We hope that you'll take them home. We have plenty for you to take one. Uh, what I want to point out to you especially is that we have visitor cards and prayer cards in our pews. If you want to share any information with us whatsoever, contact information, we'll contact you in the way that you share with us. If you want to share prayer concerns with us, you're welcome to do so with the card that's there. If you have a need throughout the week, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you can call the phone number on the front of the bulletin. If it's uh, simply a prayer concern, you can say so on the voicemail. If it's an immediate pastoral care need, you can say so in the voicemail. We'll get it immediately and we'll respond as quickly as possible. I encourage you to do that anytime. We have supper at 6 this Wednesday, and the families will be making Advent wreaths, um, and it's beautiful. It's homemade. You have put uh, your hands into it. It's great. Um, so all you need to do is sign up and say that you would like to do that. You can do it as the attendance register goes by. Um, just put out from your name, supper at 6, and put the number, and if you would like a wreath, just put the number of wreaths, and you will have a reservation. Our own Brett Hovis is now catering everything that we do. Um, he did before. I was here before they moved to Texas and everyone uh, speaks of how wonderful his food was. He's back from Texas and is reviving that business and uh, we're grateful for that. If you see him, tell him thank you. We believe in passionate worship and you'll see that in the structure form in the next two months the prayer garden continues to be formed uh, in honor of a gift from Miss Carolinda Robinson. You'll see uh, trees that were planted, bushes that were
were planted flowers, and now there's a fountain that's there, the Stepping Stones class, our youngest Sunday school class, uh, put the fountain in. We're grateful to them. You'll continue to see that grow, and we will continue to use it. We had a meeting about sanctuary renovations up here last week. Uh, everyone uh, was informed and had uh, excellent questions. We're going to try to keep the structure as close as possible while adding uh, 11 to 15 seats for the choir as they continue to grow. We're grateful for everyone that participated in that. We believe in intentional faith development. And our Sunday night programming uh, comes back tonight. Uh, you'll s we have programming for children, youth, and adults at 5. Um, it's, uh, there's connections, but you can come any night, any Sunday Sunday night and join us and we would welcome uh, you doing so. We believe in risk-taking mission and service, and you'll see an announcement about a coat drive. I guarantee that every one of you has a nice coat that you are not currently using for whatever reason. Bring it here. Um, give it to our um, group that's gathering that. Uh, we'll uh, make sure that we give it to uh, people in the community. We believe in extravagant generosity, and you'll see volunteer surveys um, trying to see exactly where you'd like to serve, whether it be in the choir, whether it be as an usher, whether it be um, reading books to our CEP children, whatever it may be, we have them in every pew. You can pick one up and fill it out in five minutes. They are also in every email that goes out now. Uh, you can take it online digitally in five minutes. And we will put you in a position to succeed because uh, we're grateful for your generosity and participation. Today is a unique service in the hanging of the greens. If you ask the average person, why do we decorate our homes, our churches, our um, businesses with all of these elements, you might say, well, um... Because our grandparents did it? Uh, because Chip and Joanna do it on HGTV? Um, but what we want to emphasize is that for hundreds, thousands of years, people have done this in order to set their worship space, in order to remind them of the critical aspects of Christian worship. Right? You heard me right? Critical, as critical aspects of Christian worship. We're grateful to the dollars for participating, and we said, yes, we're happy your children are here, because I love them. George is my dude. Uh, so you will hear why these elements are here, and I encourage you to participate um, in reading along and in your responses. Uh, we want to thank Harriet Johnson for the time that she put into organizing, and we want to thank our families for their participation. And so with that, let's join uh, in the liturgy to start, if you'll join me. How shall we prepare this house for the coming of a king? How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the eternal Christ? How shall we prepare this house for the coming of our Savior? How shall we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Son of God? For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. If you'll stand as you're able and join us for our first hymn, number 211.
Please be seated. Jeremiah 23, 5-6 The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our Righteousness. In ancient times, the cedar was revered as the tree of royalty. It also signified immortality and was used for purification. We place this cedar branch as a sign of Christ who reigns as king forever and whose coming in justice and righteousness will purify our hearts. Isaiah 9, chapter 2, I'm sorry, Isaiah 9, verses 2, 6 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Because the needles of pine and fir trees appear not to die each season, the ancients saw them as signs of things that last forever. Isaiah tells us that there will be no end to the reign of the Messiah. Therefore, we hang these wreaths of evergreens shaped in a circle, which itself has no end, to signify the eternal reign of Jesus the Christ. Isaiah 53, 1-6 Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hid their faces, he has despised, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All we are like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For Christians, the Isaiah passage reflects the sufferings of Jesus, who saved us from our sins by his death on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead. In past times, holly and ivy were seen as signs of Christ's passion. Their prickly leaves suggested the crown of thorns, the red berries, the blood of the Savior, and the bitter bark, the drink offered to Jesus on the cross. As we place the holly and ivy, let us rejoice in the coming of Jesus, our Savior.
may be seated. John 1, verses 1 through 5 and 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, the light of the world, we light the Christmas tree. During this Advent, wherever you see a lighted Christmas tree, let it call to mind the one who brings light to our darkness, healing to our brokenness, and peace to all who receive him. Please join in prayer with me in the bulletin. Holy Lord, we come with joy to celebrate the birth of your Son, who rescued us from the darkness of sin by making the cross a tree of life and light. May this tree, arrayed in splendor, remind us of the life-giving cross of Christ, that we may rejoice in the new life that shines in our hearts. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Psalm 33, verse 20 through 22. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Something is coming. It is more than presence. We open the book of hope and read the promise. Our hearts are glad. We trust God's holy name. Today, we light the candle of hope. Our hope is in the Lord. It's now time for our offering.
And if you would like to give as the plate goes by, you certainly can. If you would like to give electronically, you see instructions in the bulletin. If you are new here, we certainly don't expect you to give. And you can lean on the generosity of our people.
sermon text today comes from an extension of one of the readings we've already had this morning. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7, and you can find it on page uh, 1072 in your pew Bible. While you get a chance to get there, if you'd like to read along, I want everyone to consider the image of fire. Multiple settings in which we're going to find a fire. It might be in a fire pit out in the backyard. It might be in the grill. It might be in a fireplace in our den. It might be a devastating wildfire that affected you. Um, Whatever it may be, fire has such a significant place in the life of human beings since there have been human beings and in the life and belief of God connected to those human beings. The first thing it can be is a gathering force. If you make a fire in the backyard, like we did for Thanksgiving, it's finally cool enough to do that, people just naturally sort of came around it and talked about it. If you've got a grill, people naturally draw around that grill. When I was in the first grade, a fire destroyed my church, all but the sanctuary. Just ravaged the entire campus. Um, But also, fire can be an instrument of calling. Moses, who was uh, not convicted, but was a murderer way out in the desert, figuring he had no shot to ever do anything in the name of God again, is called by fire to go back in. And so time and time again, as people are gathered in the, um, uh, the book of Acts, after Jesus' death and resurrection, fire comes there and interprets the language for the people. I want you to consider that image, because we have fire today in our text But it's different than most of the times you ever hear of it or use it. Isaiah chapter 9, starting with verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'd like to read along, I invite you to keep your Bible um, right there. First thing I want to describe to you is the work of a prophet. Prophets have had to speak to people who were devastated by loss, people who have had great victory in war, people who have built an amazing structure, people who have had that amazing structure destroyed, to lowly people, to kings, to um, people in home, to foreigners, prophets have had to see what's going on in the world, understand what God would want, and then talk about the difference between the two. Basketball season's getting cranked up. Um, Basketball coaches talk to their players all week long at 90-minute practices. This is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. Then you go on the road, and it's all kinds of crowd, and there's another team, and that other team is trying to get them to do something. They lose their mind. They don't do what they were talking about. The coach says, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out. Come over here. You, You remember what we talked about? It doesn't matter about the environment. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. It matters what we talked about that we were going to do. This is what prophets do. In this particular case, Isaiah is a prophet to a king of a nation that's divided from Israel. There's the northern kingdom of Israel. There's the southern kingdom of Judah. If you got our nation, you divided it right down the middle. And we had a president for both. We've seen something in that neighborhood. 
he is advising the southern king and there's problems coming. Imagine if the entire nation of Canada was a ferocious military nation and they were coming for both the north and the south. What would the leaders of both the north of the United States and the south of the United States want to do? They'd want to secure themselves. And so as this conquering nation is coming, the king of the south, his name is Ahaz, is considering uh, alliances with surrounding nations that are just as big as the one coming to conquer them. Now, they don't agree with those surrounding nations. Those surrounding nations have very different gods. Those surrounding nations have very different philosophies, beliefs, practices, everything. But I guess this is all I got. I'm going to align with you so that we together can defeat this army coming from the north. Over and over and over again, this has happened in human history. And Isaiah, in this text, is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Our strength and our hope doesn't come from human sources. But we sure try to do that, don't we? When we experience sickness, loss, death, pain, we start with ourselves. Don't, I, can, I can fight out of it. No, I don't need help. Then we turn to people that are immediately around us, and they may be suffering in that moment too. And we say, this is the person that's going to help me dig out of this. Then we try some sort of thing that we've seen on television that pitches us, if you buy it, you'll be happy. Then we try some other crazy thing. Then we try to numb it. Then when we have no other options, what do we do? God, can you please help me? It's five, six, seven on the list. When you're experiencing brokenness from an individual all the way to a king, humans behave the same way. And Isaiah the prophet is saying, no, no. He speaks in the future, about the future in the past tense. Now that's total confidence. He says the people walking in darkness, they will see a great light. They'll know that even though we had what seemed like insurmountable circumstances, even though we had loss, we did not turn away from our God. This is the call of a prophet. Verse 4. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their pressure. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. How do you think the political leader would feel about such a thing? the political leader with total fear of an oncoming nation who will take your best and brightest and pull them back and eliminate anyone else and burn it all to the ground, how do you think he would feel if a prophet said to him, don't worry, a child is coming. A baby is coming. What would you think? That would not be comforting. But he says, remember the days of Midian's defeat. And he points out three important things. The yoke. 
And to us, a yoke is a tremendous burden. There's a lot of farming in this crowd, a lot of farming in your roots. And before there were big machines that would do it all in a hurry, there were animals that would do it as long as it took with a yoke on their neck. Whether it be one animal, whether it be two animals. And that burden of that yoke is something that they cannot let go until the end of the day. Now, none of us are strapped to something so that we can have more corn. But every single one of us has things that weigh on us sometimes, maybe most of the time, things that we've done ourselves. Things that we've said, things that we've done, things that we've left unsaid or undone. And we feel a burden as the holidays come and as we're about to have these connections with these people. And we think, oh, I'll never get it right. I'll never fix it. I'll never be able to communicate with them, with them the way that I want. I'll never be able to get, you know, it's the end of the year again and my job is not what I want again. And that yoke, that weight on our shoulder is there just like it was for those people. He says the rod of oppression. Now, um, parents have had all sorts of philosophies since there have been parents and children about scolding children with sticks or whatever it may be. And that may have happened to you. You may have done it. You may have been the victim of it. You may have offered it. Whatever it is, you know the pain on both sides of when it happened. He says, those who have felt a weight that you feel will never be lifted, those who have felt oppression from others or have offered it, have done it because you knew no other way, we're not going to do it. And finally, the most interesting image to me is bloody garments and boots. Garments that soldiers have worn and fought and they show it with their own blood and the blood of others. And they have those boots because it's so essential to have them when you are going into battle. This is why I brought up the fire. He said, we're going to take that yoke we're going to take that rod. We're going to take those clothes. We're going to take those boots. And we're going to put them in the biggest fire you've ever seen. Because our leader is no longer a king who wants to dominate through military battles and oppression. Instead, our king is a king of peace. Our king is a king of hope. Now to us, and on holiday specials, and on songs that we hear sung, both in worship and on television, whatever it may be, the king of peace seems so comforting, especially in a world swirling around us. What if you told the current king of a nation that's coming to conquer you and do whatever they want, don't worry about it, because we've got a new king, and our king loves peace. You in? What would that king say? What? You may do what? And the king's going to be an infant? That makes no sense. Or as in, oh brother, where art thou? That don't make no sense. That don't make no sense, is what he says. What are you going to do? How am I supposed to do that? Consuming fire will take the burden, the oppression, and the instruments and evidence of battle. You ever see um, uh, whales, sharks, 
alligators that have made it a really long time, they've got scars everywhere because they have fought to live on so many occasions. And if we had visual scars of the confrontations that we've had and the confrontations that we've led in our life and people could see them, we might be a little friendlier to each other, wouldn't we? But see, we don't see them. And we dress up really nicely. And we get all our stuff in order so that no one knows that we've been scarred. So then we act like we're not. So then we speak to each other as if we are not. He says, the yoke, the rod, the garments, and the boots, they're going in the fire over there because we have a new person. This is a dude, a baptizing him, he's a good man. I'm going to get, one day I'll participate in his confirmation. George. Which of the three is the most relevant to you in this moment? Because all of them have been relevant. Do you feel the burden? Do you feel oppression? Do you feel instruments and evidence of battle? Which one of those is at the forefront of your experience at this moment? Verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the thing I want you to note is royal titles. If you watch any of the shows that are popular now about ancient culture and kings and warriors and battle, whenever anyone is coming into their space, they want to make sure that they have a really elevated spot with a really big throne with really dangerous instruments of war on either side of them so that when anyone approaches them down that aisle, they get an intimidating feeling and are willing to negotiate with this leader because I'm scary. The prophet Isaiah says about this king that is to come, he's the prince of peace. It's counter to anything that ever was or ever will be. I, in the face of war and battle, will be the prince of peace. The question is, do you believe it? See, we have what is called, what um, church leaders call the curse of knowledge. I'm, I'm sure it's a business too. When you know too much and it's coming around again, you go, yeah, baby's born, December 25th. We gather on 24th. It's great. It's pretty. This is a baby who's offering peace in a world of violence and saying this is now the solution. Do we believe it? So in this season, in both of our services, and in our special services, and in our music, and in our prayer, and in our proclamation, in this season of Advent, you're going to hear this story and all the people that surround it and why they matter, and hopefully that helps you understand the significance of Christmas Eve anew. A new football season starts in August, a new basketball season starts in November, new tax season or ends or starts, whatever, uh, April 15th, the new Christian year is right now in the season of Advent in which we prepare ourselves and I invite you to join us on the journey. If you're going to miss, watch the video. 
If you're going to miss, listen to the podcast. If you're going to come, watch the video and listen to the podcast. Dig deep and see if you can understand how in the world people would believe that an infant would change the world to the point that we are still talking about it today. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you'll stand and join me in uh, our final hymn number 213. Thank you so much to everyone who helped us prepare this lovely service. Thank you for coming and visiting with us if you're a visitor. Thank you for joining us if you're a family member. We hope that you'll come again. We hope that you'll participate in what we're doing. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. You can go. <laughs>